0: I'm a veterinarian, sure, but I'm way more than that. I am also a tango dancer, a struggling but determined pie maker, and a mom. With IndieVets, I get to choose when and where I work. I create my own schedule and choose shifts at nearby animal hospitals that are right for me. Having that flexibility is exactly what I need to have plenty of time for all those other things that I am. Because I'm more than just a vet. Visit IndieVets.com to learn more and apply.
1: And our growing family of broadcast affiliates right across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, the um, Pacific Coast, the Pacific Rim, Asia, India, Africa, and Europe. Toll-free worldwide, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at com, On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exonradiotv.com. Exonation. We're going to be continuing a conversation that we started last week with our guest this hour, Mike Blodgett. And uh, Mike has uh, has been breaking a story and helping to bring an atrocity to justice. We're going to be talking about the Shriners human trafficking connection. Now, Mike is an author, and he's been heard on radio from coast to coast. He currently works as a paralegal. He is most recently the author of three novels, including Room to Romp, a book he wrote under the pen name W.D. Totten, Jr. Now, we're going to be talking, as I said, about human trafficking, slavery, and much more. You know those nice Shriners? Well... Still waters run deep, and joining me now is Mike Blodgett. Mike, welcome back to the x Thanks very much for joining us again.
3: Thanks for having me, Rob. Mike, give our
1: listeners a little bit of an idea of what you and I talked about last week uh, when you were here.
3: Sure. Uh, basically, there's an organization called the Shriners, which older people mostly know about, but a lot of younger people mm-hmm. have never really heard of. And there's roughly 325,000 Shriners. And there are images of helping to raise money for the Shriners' children's hospitals, of uh, participating in parades uh, at various holidays, uh, patriotic holidays and so on, with motorcycles, little kids' cars, various things to fundraise for the children's hospitals. Mm-hmm. And they usually dress up with their red fezzes and they have Arabian-themed uh, uh, languages, uh, offices, and events. But there is a dark side to a smaller group of the Shriners.
1: And that is called the Royal Order of Jesters, if I'm not mistaken.
3: You're right on the money, Rob. The um, as far as I could tell, uh, I don't know. I never was a Mason, and mm. I never was a Shriner, and I certainly would never have been. I don't believe invited to become a Jester because to become a Jester is by invitation only, and you have to have been a Shriner to get invited to be a Jester. But there's a the FBI has found there's about twenty four thousand Jesters. In North America, round numbers.
1: You know, after our last
3: conversation,
1: after our last conversation, we did uh, so. You know, we spent several hours doing research, and we found this young lady by the name of Sandy Frost, who has written a number of articles on the jesters and on the Shriners, and we compiled all of her uh, her articles. You know, with the permission of her. Mm -hmm. And uh, at uh, www.xzonenews.com forward slash ROJ. x I would like you to go to this website after our conversation today with Mike. What you will see there is just going to blow your mind. What you are going to hear in this next hour is going to blow your mind. Mike and I will be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break. As the x continues, we're right here from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell, and this is the x We'll be back. Don't go away. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine like hand cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining room can accommodate groups from eight to 80 people. While you're visiting, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic Fellsmere or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, Old Florida Cuisine at its best. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the x Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Guilda Weaka? 401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. twenty-four seven, three sixty-five.
0: We all desire health, happiness, and fulfillment, but often get in our own way. Repeated patterns that leave us out of control can keep us feeling powerless, frustrated, and unable to move forward in spite of our best efforts. Unconscious patterning disconnects us from our gifts, often destroying the very thing we seek. But there is an answer. We can take charge of our destiny and heal the trauma of our history. Shamanism is an effective ancient modality that can reconnect us with our true selves, empower the creation of our dreams, and return us to health and balance. Cody Alexander is a certified shamanic practitioner and teacher with 11 years experience. Email HealingPathways33 at gmail.com or visit CodyAlexander.net to schedule a long-distance shamanic session today.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Mike Blodgett is my special guest. His website is www.tottentrilogy.com and we're talking about the Royal Order of Jesters and the Shriners and the Shriners' Human Trafficking Connection. Uh, Mike, uh, how did you get involved with the Royal Order of Jesters, the Shriners, and the people that you are presently working with in a case in front of the courts? It
3: was almost by coincidence if And I've learned, Rob, in my lifetime to believe there are almost no such things. Mm -hmm. These things are meant to happen. And I was helping an older couple. I use the word older because they're my age or older. (laughs) And in South Minneapolis, where the husband had been falsely expelled from the the Shriners uh, unit called the Motorcycle Corps. And it turns out that he and his wife had been asking questions Mm -hmm. of their local Minneapolis shrine for about five years of what was going wrong with the shrine ethics and family values. And lo and behold, the the, uh, certain, about three or four of the men got together and falsely expelled this gentleman and humiliated his wife and, uh, you know, destroyed their family life because they had been in the shrine for 44 years. And they sued in the state court and lost and so on. And I got introduced to them after they had been all through that process. And two things occurred to me. One was that there must be some really big reason why the Shrine would go to such trouble to falsely expel a longtime and honorable member. Yes. And secondly, I, I looked at this couple uh, without any evidence of this, but I received a really strong mental impression, Rob, that the lead Shrine attorney used prostitutes. And I said this out loud to the couple, and I, I, I they were it's, it's incredulous. No, no, I had no evidence of this and so on. Well, lo and behold, to make a long story short, as we were trying to help them start their court cases anew in the state courts in Hennepin County, uh, we, I learned about the jester evidence, and I learned about that because uh, I kind of got led through a circuitous path out on the East Coast into the Dan Herbeck reports for the Buffalo News of the first couple of guilty pleas, mm-hmm. and then into Sandy Frost's excellent, excellent and courageous reporting on the jesters, and guess what? The three guys who mainly booted the little nice little gentleman out of the shrine in Minneapolis were all jesters, and no wonder they didn't want this couple asking questions, Rob, because the couple was just that close to uh, to exposing the jester connection back into Minnesota. So I actually helped them do that using the FBI evidence and the jester membership list, and we filed it all in the state court here in Hennepin County, Minnesota. Only to see the judge throw us, throw the whole case out without ever talking about the FBI jester evidence, Rob. That was where I really I got mad.
1: Wow. So, to tell me, you know, has there been any uh, has has there been any retaliation towards you or towards uh, your clients, the Ellis's, from the jesters sure. or from the Shriners?
3: Sure, I can I can speak directly to retaliation against me. As I was first compiling the Jester evidence with the the, uh, first couple of guilty pleas out in Buffalo and linking it back to the membership list here, and then some of Sandy Frost's excellent reporting where former Jester's, a very small number, were leaking what they really had gone through in the Jester's. I faxed a summary of my evidence down to the National Shrine Headquarters in Tampa, Florida, Mm -hmm. and I also faxed a similar summary to the Jester's headquarters outside Indianapolis, Indiana. And within about 7 to 10 days, I had lost two of my best sources of income because the Jester's retaliated against me and destroyed those sources of income, and that lasted for a year. And then somebody, which I have to believe is the Jester's, through the law firm and the Jester's here in Minnesota, where two of the jesters are members of and named partners in the law firm, uh, started surveilling all the meetings I was having with attorneys to try to s- figure out how to combat the gesture human trafficking. Wow. And people would come and uh, hold cameras up, interfere with meetings, uh, tape record stuff, follow me around with the cars. Several times people held their hand out like a gun and then pulled the trigger at me. I had car troubles that I didn't have before. It's been, it's been pretty bad and I actually filed a formal police report with the St. Paul police to document certain days where these things were happening. And then the, the lawsuit you're asking about, I, ha- I ended up filing my own federal recall lawsuit against these guys on February 6th of this year in the United States District Court in Minnesota. And that's, that's now proceeding into pretrial mm-hmm. procedures, uh, some discovery. I'm going to get some discovery. And I'm running into some very unusual things in that case right now.
1: Why do you think that the the Jesters and the Shriners have been able to get away with what they've gotten away with without raising any of the red flags that any other organization, including Wall Street, would raise?
3: Yeah, I well, like, I've i thought a lot about that, and I appreciate your question on that especially. First of all, I believe that when the Jesters were founded, mm-hmm. if you think back to 1911, 1917, that era women and children were not legally persons, were they, robbed. No. So if you were going to traffic in women, who who could complain? I mean, there was a very small number of anti-trafficking laws, but they were hardly ever enforced. So the first thing is when the jesters is, got founded, and it turns out the FBI says their sole purpose is human trafficking. They never had a charitable purpose of any kind. So the first thing is they had picked victims who couldn't fight back, there was no real law enforcement that could fight on behalf of the victims. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were very few, if any, anti-trafficking organizations. And I think equally important, as you have learned and are putting up on your excellent, excellent websites, the jesters managed to, to uh, control or fill in very powerful positions in our society, lawyers, judges, doctors, accountants, very successful business people, and pretty much... If you think about state court state court events or events inside of a state as opposed mm-hmm. to the federal government, they probably could work their will in most any situation. And I think that's been the secret, that the, given their victims were had nobody to fight for them, they were powerless for so many years, and now they put got themselves and picked men who had these powerful positions. And that pretty much has been able to squelch uh, most of the criticism or the, the prosecutions or whatever you think of it. They just never get off the ground.
1: So, if if we're looking at a system that seems to be, I don't want to use well, yeah, I'll say it corrupt when it comes to members of the of the Shriners or the Justers, How how do you expect to get true justice?
3: Well, that's well. You asked, we talked about that a little last time too. I I, I myself, in spite of some experiences in my own life where I was not treated favorably by people in power. Mm-hmm. I have never been bitter about those things, and I've had great faith that eventually uh, justice will win out. The truth will come out. You, you can't hide all these things forever. And I'm especially hopeful with the Jester situation because given, as you know, one of the gentlemen who pled guilty out in Buffalo was a New York State Supreme Court judge, right. and another one was his confidential law clerk, and the last two were sheriff's deputies. What that tells me is those were federal prosecutions, Rob. And if if the jesters couldn't shut those federal prosecutions down, they may not be able to shut down other prosecutions around the country. But that really isn't my my real big hope right now. Even though the FBI has got human trafficking as their sixth. Last time I looked at their website, opposing human trafficking Mm -hmm. was the sixth highest FBI priority. First four were anti-terrorism and number five was public corruption, which actually fits right in with the jesters here. Right. But, as, yeah, but what I think is really changing is, even though, as I shared with you and the listeners, a lot of the younger people I'm talking to and interacting with, they never heard of the Shriners. Their parents never took them to the Shrine Circuses. They didn't, never saw it. They're too too young to have remembered these things. Mm-hmm. But to a person, they are incensed about human trafficking, which is modern-day slavery. They are against that. I mean, they would if there was something they could do today, they would do it. So what I'm going to try to do, uh, which is kind of brainstorming a little bit here, I'm going to try to figure out a different way to put pressure on the protesters because I don't think, well, as you know, if there's 24,000 active members who pretty much have been human trafficking every month Mm -hmm. in recent memory, I don't know how the FBI could even prosecute 24,000 people. I mean, that's bigger than any mafia. I've never heard of a mafia group with 24,000 active members. (laughs) Maybe there are such, but I don't know. You know, so I'm going to try to figure out a way to put pressure on the jesters uh, to, to turn themselves in, to self-surrender, to get attorneys, to give the names of their victims mm-hmm. to people in law enforcement. And I'm going to try to see if, if, I'm not ready for it today, but I'm going to try to do a, a music video, put it out on YouTube, uh, asking and try to get, as you, you, you know, don't you, that the Super Bowl people have anti-trafficking now every year in the whole city. They had a big anti-trafficking campaign down in Indianapolis for the last Super Bowl. And I'm, I'm going to try to tap into some of these people who are clearly against human trafficking and see if we can, instead of saying law enforcement has to do all this, I'm going to say, look, the world has changed for the jesters. Out in Buffalo, all four men ratted out each other and a number of other jesters from around the country. Do you want to be next or do you want to take the lead and get a better plea agreement? That's the theory right. I would try to come out with, and I'm going to try to use that in my own civil case here in Minnesota. If these guys can't can't uh, testify and they have to take the Fifth Amendment, they better lawyer up and get to get themselves a good plea agreement around.
1: So what is it that you'd like to see happen with the Jesters?
3: I'd like to see them disband within a year, shut totally down. I'd like to see the Jester the officials who are now publicly known here in Minnesota. I know the names of, of 19 or 20 of them. And they're the same people who control the Shrine. And they're all successful business people, Rob. I'd like to see them resign from the Shrine and publicly apologize to their spouses and to the other Shriners. And then I'd like to see them go lawyer up Mm -hmm. and see if their lawyer would say, hey, let's go try to get a plea agreement. But to get it, you're going to have to turn in the names of a bunch of the victims so they can get help. So those are some of the things that I'm percolating with to try to figure out how to make this, put the pressure on the jesters to turn themselves in. I don't -hmm. think we want to waste all our FBI or or Royal Canadian amount of police law enforcement time chasing a bunch of jesters who are pretty much, they've convicted themselves, Rob. Right. There's not much left to do with them. So, so, you know, hey, uh, as I studied what happened in Buffalo, every single one of those men who was implicated not only ended up taking the guilty plea, they ratted out each other. All right, <laughs> they Stan- ratted out other justices well around the country. Mike, we've got to take
1: our news break. Please stand be by, Exxon Nation. Time. Mike Blodgett is our guest.
2: This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network.
1: 1-800-610-7035, worldwide toll-free, email exxon at TV.com On MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com, and our website, TV.com. Don't forget, XONation, the Zone Book Club, launches on Friday, August the 17th. You'll be able to see some of the best books by some of the best authors at the best prices at www.xzonebookclub.com. My special guest this hour is Mike Blodgett. We're talking about the Shriners Human Trafficking Connection. Mike's website is www.tottentrilogy.com. That's www.tottentrilogy.com. So getting back to the jesters, if they're that powerful, is there any way that they can squirm their way out of this mess?
3: Well, that's the question. Did you uh, when I was growing up outside Chicago there was a game that we were never supposed to play when we first got to drive cars and it was called Chicken. And mm. you drove as fast as you could at the other car to see who was gonna chicken out and swerve away. Right. I think and I think Rob I don't recommend that game to anybody, never drives at home, Lord help us how we survived. I don't know. Yeah. But what I think is I think the world has caught up to the gestures now. I certainly could be wrong, you know, I'm not the favorite person of a lot of law enforcement people, but I do get it along with a number of other ones. But why aren't and you, I,
1: you know, like, what you're doing is just bringing something to light that seems to be a a preferred yeah. dirty little secret, so why wouldn't you be regarded, well, you know, anything else but as a good guy in this case?
3: Well, well however that, and I agree with you on that, but i don't want to interfere with law enforcement i guess is what i'm trying to say too i have no idea what they're doing they may be working on a worldwide prosecution, national north america whatever mm-hmm. but here's here's the where the rubber meets the road we learned who the jesters identities were here in minnesota approximately two years ago right we turned in the sworn fbi evidence and the sworn evidence that they put themselves on their own membership list rob that they put themselves on their tax returns deducting human trafficking expenses as 501c3 charities. And the the local district court judge, Marilyn Brown Rosenbaum, who was previously a civil rights lawyer before she got into the judiciary, she threw the case out. So unlike Buffalo, where they started with the actual victims' identities and worked their way up to the the traffickers, the jesters, Mm -hmm. here in Minnesota we're absolutely sure we know the names and identities of the traffickers, but in two years, Rob, we haven't been able to identify or help one single victim. Wow. That's, what, that's what has made me so concerned and so determined here. So the way this, my civil case is proceeding in the federal court here in Minnesota, I'm on a collision course with the gestures, just like when I learned to drive a car. If they think they can get out of this, we're going to find out. I don't think that they can even give a deposition, let alone testify in court, without taking the Fifth Amendment, given the results of the last guilty plea in Buffalo. I think the world has changed for them, Rob, and that's what we're going to find out. Are they right? Can they still get away with stuff? Or has the world changed and it's now the gestures against the FBI and a growing public outrage that modern-day slavery is being allowed in North America and elsewhere in the world?
1: How many victims do you think there are when it comes to human trafficking that are directly a result of the Shriner human trafficking connection.
3: I don't know the exact number, and I've, I've worked on this, and I, if I get one, I will certainly share it. But out in Buffalo, uh, Mr. Stebbick who was the law clerk who, who drove his motorhome and actively uh, uh, practiced human trafficking up and down the East Coast into Canada while the motorhome was in transit and transported a number of the victims, they forfeited his motorhome, which was worth about $300,000, and used it to compensate the victims and help them establish a new life under the what's called Trafficking Victims Protection Act, which is a very strong United States federal law. It's stronger even than the Mann Act was in terms of assisting victims. So I, I guess uh, there was maybe 15 victims that got compensated by his 300000 And they didn't get all the victims, and they certainly just got started on the gestures. There was more gestures who resigned. There's more jesters, apparently, according to the FBI, Rob, who's got ratted out by the jesters in Buffalo, including some here in Minnesota. So, so the table's set, but I don't have an actual number. Uh, it could be two or three hundred. It could be several thousand. But the the thing they have in common, which I am concerned about, which I hope to expose here in my civil case in Minnesota, I think the jesters have a modus operandi, Rob, and they may have different players with different powerful positions in every their organization. But they all do the same thing. They keep the lists of their potential victims. They force them to participate. And those victims virtually can never escape. And a lot of them are illegal aliens who were falsely brought to the United States or Canada and can never get, they can never get treated right. They can't get out. Mm. So whatever the number is, I hope we can identify here in Minnesota that local gesture court number 53, which has about 19 or 20 gestures in it, I'm going to try to force out in federal court the names of their victims. That's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to, I'm going to do my absolute best to see if the judge will cooperate with me and let's identify who these victims are from just Minnesota. And if that works, then let's extend it to some other gesture courts around the United States. And I'm going to try to go as far as I can with that, route. Now,
1: now, just let me uh, just let me see something here. If we were to... If we were to take a look at what, um, what human trafficking is in this case, how would you describe it?
3: Well, what it really is, it's, it's, it's a convenience for the gestures to fit their goals. They have that uh, you know, make-believe uh, world that they live in for mirth and merriment, which is really uh, books of the play, which is really human trafficking parties that are held virtually every month somewhere and at various uh, scopes and sizes. Uh, so I think what human trafficking is, it's really a power deal to these men. I don't think it's it's really sex per se or, or anything like that. It's just they become quite successful in business, and here's another way they can control a big part of their life, and it makes them feel very important and special. And I think that's really what's going on. So I think what human trafficking is, it's a way to, in most cases, exploit illegal aliens who were falsely brought into. Canada or the United States, Mm -hmm. and who were promised that they could have a new life, they could have jobs, they could bring their families, they could get citizenships and everything else, none of which ever happens. So I think it's just a, it's like a make-believe world that when I think back, guys in junior high were learning to grow up better than this, I think.
1: Right. So basically, we're, we're not talking about slavery here, we're talking about sexual trafficking.
3: Well, you're talking about actual slavery. I mean, this is, this is, all the experts, uh, categorize human trafficking as modern day slavery. So it's, it's, their whole lives are controlled, Rob. They, they, in most cases, pay a, pay a fee mm-hmm. to pay for their lodging, their food, whatever they, in other words, they can never get ahead. It's like as you load 16 tons in the coal mines and you owe the company store your soul. These are not, this is not a contractual deal. These victims don't have the power to bargain. Uh, Jester girls are forced to uh, do all kinds of unspeakable things, and they are forced again month after month after month. And there's this wonderful organization called the Polaris Project, which you guys are are featuring over time, and Sandy Frost is going to be, I hope, featuring more on it too. We talked to them out in Washington, D.C., and they're kind of the national and international focal point for getting help and and, uh, getting data on human trafficking. And they thought that Jester girls, victims, should be able to have been able to call up. And I asked them, how many Jester victims have ever reported to you they need help? And the answer was none. So in about a 100 years of Jester operations, maybe anti-trafficking has been active for about 25 or 30. Not one single victim of the Jester's has ever been able to get help except in Buffalo, Rob, where they got the victims first and then leveraged up to get the Jester's. Uh, that that that's 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 modern day slavery this is not this is not a sexual thing it's their whole lives are, are controlled and i don't see how they ever could get out unless something breaks like what we're trying to do with your show you know unless unless less it kind of go out and lets it happen now because i think it's poised to happen i i don't know but i certainly believe the world is different according to Jester now four guilty pleas and lots of writing out and the fbi affidavit has changed the whole world now how
1: how is this going to affect the Shriners? There there has to be a large number of these people who are doing everything they can because they've got good hearts, good intentions, and they're doing everything for the right reason.
3: Yeah, it, but here's the deal. When you think back, when I think back, uh, born and raised in Chicago, lots of inter- inner-city experiences, uh, biracial, all kinds of other things, experiences, segregation in the United States, the excuse was, give us time, we'll straighten it out ourselves. Mm-hmm. Separate but equal became the mantra. And so on. The Shriners have had probably four or five or more years where rumors and now the actual guilty pleas have surfaced. And the reaction of the Shriners is, and Masons has been, well, we should be able to clean up our own mess. The problem is, Rob, that the Jesters control those organizations, at least so the Shriners, they control everything. So I guess what I'm saying is, I'm a friend of the Shriners. I'm going to do everything I can to save the Shrine organization, but I don't think it's going to exist the same way it's always been. Their membership has been struggling to be maintained. Their endowments have, have uh, lost billions of dollars. Their children's hospitals are are not being funded the way they should be. Sandy Frost reported on fraud in the burn mm-hmm. treatments programs and so on and so on. I, I think the Shriners have to, in a sense, man up and say, Either you guys all quit the shrines, get the Jesters out now, or we're going to quit the Shrines and start over again in organizations that don't have this thing. It's almost, there's no middle ground left anymore. Right. So this is why I'm going to focus on getting the Jesters out, take a bunch of the Shrine endowment and preserve it for the children's hospitals, take some more and pay off the victims of the human trafficking, and now let's see if the Shriners can survive. I think they could. Well, you not know, with the justers running everything.
1: I, I've seen some documentation that where, in certain cases, less than one percent of all the money raised actually goes into the into the hospitals, and there are some shriners there that are making and taking out a hell of a lot of money.
3: It's it's atrocious, and this is one of the things that I got onto back here in Minnesota. The Minneapolis Shrine is called the Zura Shrine, C-U-H-R-A-H. And it was a huge, big building, an old mansion, which was expanded to have parties and entertainment and all kinds of things. And guess what, Rob? With a lot of members, they were going broke. Somebody was taking the money out of that shrine organization. That building has since been sold to St. Mary's University for developing the St. Mary's campus in downtown Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. and. They, and, and one guy who I know personally who had loaned the Shrine a million dollars hasn't even been paid all this money back yet. Wow. They're, they, they can't account for the money. They can't account for the missing monies. And you're talking about at the national level and the children's hospital levels. So the Shriners really have been getting away with something for a long time mm-hmm. where their image is, is charitable. And Sandy Frost, of all people, was very respectful of that. She was getting criticized for attacking the Shriners. She wasn't doing that at all. She was saying, hey, what's really wrong with it? The same way the little couple here in Minnesota was saying, there's something wrong
1: here. There's something yep. desperately wrong. And ExoNation, if you'd like to see the articles that Sandy Frost has written, we've compiled them into an electronic book at www.exzonenews.com forward slash ROJ. That's www.exzonenews.com forward slash R O J and Sandy, uh, we're we're trying to get a hold of you to bring you on the show, but until we do, I know that you're going to hear this. Thank you for the great work that you've done. You've done a fantastic job, and that's what true journalism is about: bringing out the stories that need to get out. And this is one story. Both you, Mike, and Sandy have done a great service to everyone by exposing what goes on in these little meetings and uh, you know some of the stories that that we've heard over the past week when it can com- it comes to the uh, shriners and other organizations that apparently do on the outside everything good and for the right reason but there are those in the organizations who have a totally totally different venue
3: it's a, it's just been shocking to me and i think uh... The real concern, which I have, I'm trying to use my little civil recall lawsuit. I call it little because even though I lost a year's worth of income, basically mm-hmm. to me it was a lot. It's it's dwarfed by the numbers in this human trafficking in the children's hospitals. I mean, my monies don't don't compare it to that. Yeah. But as I'm sharing with you, I'm trying to use my RECO lawsuit as a can opener, and if I can show that there's a modus operandi that was used in Buffalo that was virtually repeated here in Minnesota. I'm going to see if the federal judge under the federal RICO statutes there's there's a there's a section called 1965b and d mm-hmm. and it's called the ends of justice and if the ends of justice require our federal judge here in Minnesota to reach out and touch someone anywhere in the United States and possibly other places that judge can do so they can summon the people here they can put them into the witness stand mm-hmm. they can do all kinds of things And I'm going to see if I can do Minnesota first, and then maybe I can get a little farther. I don't know how far. I don't know if I can do Minnesota, but I'm sure going to give it, uh, not to still try. I'm, I'm committed to fight to the end on this. There's no middle ground on this thing, Rob.
1: You know, it seems that those who thought they were untouchable in today's society are finding out that they're so wrong. Look what happened at Penn State. They were fined $60 million. They were stripped of all their titles. And who would have ever thought that the great Penn State would fall? But it has.
3: It has. And uh, and bless the paternal family, because I'm yeah. sure he never intended for all these things to happen. But his stature's gone. What's going to happen to the Jesters? They had a fake organization to begin with. They didn't even have the benefits of being a real college or anything like that, Rob. All right, stand
1: by, my friend. You and I have to take our final break. Exonation, Nation, Mike Blodgett is our special guest. And, of course, Mike will be on again with us in the future as the, this story continues. It's not going to go away, Exonation. Nation. We're going to make sure that we do our part like Mike is doing his part and like Sandy Frost is doing her part to get this story out to the masses. Mike and I will be back on the other side of this uh, commercial break. Don't go away. Exonation. Nation, my guest this hour, is a true crusader. His name is Mike Blodgett. We're talking about the Shriners Human Trafficking Connection. By the way, Exonation, Nation, uh, we do have with Lucia Mann the online Stop Human Trafficking and Slavery Petition. It's at www.mdsrc.org. Like Mike, we're not going to let this story die, and Mike, I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's great talking to you, and as I told you off-air, if there's anything we can do to help, you just let me know, and we'll be there for you, pal.
3: I certainly will. I will. And the the, the laughter for, for me, Rob, is actually, I remember a, an Abraham Lincoln quote. Okay. During the Civil War, he was asked, do, do you think God is on your side? And his answer was, well, we're, the real question is, am I on God's Whoa. Right. And that's really where this is. I, I can't take any credit. All this other work has been done. These anti-trafficking people risk their lives 24-7, 365 days a year. I'm just a little tail wagging out here, but I'm going to wag.
1: You know, there are times in history where the tail has wagged the dog, and I think this is one of those times.
3: I, I hope and pray that it is, Rob, because this, I, I, I cry almost every day when I asked myself, why did Marilyn Brown Rosenbaum, a state court judge, mm-hmm. stop us from learning the names and trying to help the victims? Where we had the proof of the human traffickers, and they were lawyers appearing in our court.
1: Is, is, it, I, possible she, unbelievable. is it possible that she herself had a connection to the jesters?
3: Well, it's possible, but, but what the, we learned later, which is in the petition that the Supreme Court for pursued for the Ellis case, The jester attorneys wrote a secret letter to her asking her, number one, to take their case, Mm -hmm. and number two, to help them get out of this using an artifice uh, scheme called raised judicata, a legal doctrine, that could never be applied in this case, and that's exactly what she did. And she did it after we had turned in the evidence of the trafficking. So somebody got to her.
1: Unbelievable. I always thought that justice was blind. Personally, mind you, another phrase is that uh, crime doesn't pay. So I guess if one can be wrong, the other could be wrong as well.
3: Yeah. Well, our job is to take the blindfold off of when the judges are just corrupt.
1: I guess. Yeah. You know what? I can't agree with you more. And and you know, I, I think what has to happen is that we have to realize that it's we the people, not I the person. And when you get enough people involved change does happen
3: yes and 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 i think if you were a jester and you were following the what buffalo developments were and sandy frost and Herbeck and your show wouldn't you wouldn't you be scared to look over your shoulder who's going to turn you in you could be next
1: that is so true that is so true (laughs) listen you and i have to say so long for now my friend i want to thank you so much for joining us. It's always a great pleasure talking to you. Quickly, let our listeners know how they can find out more about you and your website.
3: Sure. Uh, I have uh, authored three novels, and a fourth one is going to be coming out soon. Uh, TottenTrilogy.com. Totten was a fictional character lawyer during the Civil War, and I adopted his persona and way of thinking for all my novels so far. So TottenTrilogy.com, and I've got three novels about growing up in the Midwest, and how a little gun ties together two families for 75 years.
1: Mike, take care of yourself. Thank you very much for all the great work that you're doing and uh, keep us in the loop, my friend. Thank you so much, Rob. Take care. Exxon Nation, Mike, Ta- uh, Mike Blodgett has been my guest this hour talking about the Shriners Human Traffic Connection. If you'd like to read the articles by Sandy Frost, go to www.exzonenews.com forward slash ROJ. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away.